So this is the Our Streets, Our Stories project uh, with the Brooklyn Public Library. I'm Trevor Kroger. I am here with Carol Burke. The date is December 17th. And Carol, what's your Brooklyn story? Uh, my Brooklyn story is called The Bad Reputation of 17th Street. I was proud of living in 469 17th Street between 8th and 9th Avenues, actually. Ninth Avenue was and is Prospect Park West, but because it was between 8th and 10th Avenues, we called it Ninth Avenue. My grandparents bought the building in 1929, 15 years after they arrived in New York from Poland. She was 15 and he 20. When they met and later married, they rented a storefront with one room in the back. The front became a candy store selling Lucy's, candy, cigarettes, and newspapers. In the back where they lived, they held poker games. Each game contributed a quarter to the house, and many quarters later, in a bank loan, they bought 469 for $26,000. My grandmother washed and polished the floor on hands and knees, cleaned the windows, and every Saturday polished the brass. She swept the sidewalk a couple of times a day. The place sparkled. As a small child, I would play with a short, thin stick in an ant hole in the curb outside 471, while my grandmother scrubbed away. One morning, the milk wagon pulled up about 15 feet from me. I knew the horse pulling the wagon. He delivered milk on my block. I remember I was watching the ants run up my forearm when suddenly the horse's front legs were there on the sidewalk. I could smell him. He stank. I was afraid to look up at him, afraid to look him in his eyes. He was gigantic. I crawled along the sidewalk, hoping he wouldn't come after me. When I got to my stoop, I had to wait in the doorway while my grandmother laid out rags along the clean, wet floor for me to walk on. I told no one of my fear. I didn't want to be called a scaredy cat. My grandmother kept a shovel ready at the bottom of the cellar stairs and would go out to the gutter to scoop up the manure left by the horses who came up the street. She'd bring the manure through the cellar to the backyard and spread it on the dirt. It never bothered me that she did that until I was a little older and the kids on the block taunted me saying, hey, your grandmother shovels shit and she brings it right in the house. There were more cars on the street. Trucks replaced the horse and wagon. 17th Street was overcrowded with families as large as 14 kids. In 1952, the count of children alone was over 250. So many, there was a group photo published by the Brooklyn Eagle or some other newspaper. And when Packy Ryan one morning ran around the corner from 9th to 17th Street with a bunch of boys, all around the age of 10 to 12, he was hit by a car and left paralyzed. I remember how I would stare at the stitches and dents in his skull whenever I passed his wheelchair. Mrs. Denny in 461 campaigned on behalf of Packy and the rest of us to create a play street through the PAL during the summer months. She succeeded, and the street was closed from noon to 7 p.m. Monday to Friday. No cars were allowed to go through. Now the block had more kids from other streets to use our equipment. The street was noisy and rowdy. Friday nights, Lanahans, Kerrigans, McNulty's, O'Neill's, and Bups, the local bars, were packed with men and stop who stopped off on their way home from work to have a few. Saturday nights, they went alone or took their girlfriend or their wife to the bar to drink smoke, laugh, and dance to the jukebox. Women didn't go to the saloon alone or with another woman. You were considered cheap and loose. 
There were always arguments and fist fights. The fights were pushed out of the bar to continue on the sidewalk. You heard the sirens from the 72nd Precinct squad cars mixed in with the music. My sister Vivian and I would put a pillow on the window's ledge, lean out, and watch the fighting. Occasionally, one married couple from 8th and 17th would stagger up the block to drink in Kerrigan's. He, extremely tall, dragging her by her hair, and she swinging wildly at him. They had been drinking at Lanahan's and were cut off when they were too drunk. Vivian and I would yell things to her like, kick him where it hurts, and she always replied saying she was going to kill the son of a bitch. The stickball games were held on weekends. Cars parked along the curbs didn't get in the way of the game. Fenders were first and third base. The sewers were home and second. We had great players. Jackie Malone, Tommy McLaughlin, and Peter Rayner were some of the best. They could hit the ball three sewers. Traffic stopped to watch the play. Women leaning out their windows watching would clap and yell. Three sewers were celebrated by everyone. Heroin came into the neighborhood in the 1950s. My friends and I were in our teens. I was the youngest. Some were already committed to drinking, and when heroin hit, the attitude was unanimous. Junkies were low lives who would sell their mothers for a fix. In the summer, you would see some of them walking along the sidewalk, twisted out of their minds, with blood running down a forearm from the puncture of the needle. One night, my boyfriend, Buddy Loesch, and Pollock were sitting in the doorway of the Cascade Laundry on Prospect Avenue drinking. A man staggered by, drunk. The three got into an argument, and the man ended up dead. Rumors spread that the man was a no-good drunk who beat his wife. A headline in the Daily News read something like, Family Man Stomped to Death. A few years after that, Joni Barnes had a sweet 16 party in her apartment. There was alcohol at the party. Denny Fewer and Skinny Sterling left drunk and headed up 17th towards 9th Avenue. As they passed a two-family private home, Denny lifted a steel garbage can that was in the front yard and hurled it at one of the basement windows. It crashed through, and from inside the house, a woman started screaming. Her child was asleep in a crib in that room. Denny and Skinny ran. An off-duty cop riding in the back of a cab, taking his date home, heard the screams and the cab, and told the cabbie to stop. The cop got out of the cab, gun in hand, saw the two running and shouted several times for them to stop or he'd shoot. They didn't stop, he shot and hit Skinny. Skinny died on the sidewalk. A headline in the Daily News was something like, Boy 15 shot and killed by rookie cop. The line for Skinny's wake was out the door of the funeral parlor, down the street and around the block. My girlfriend, Josephine Wears, and I waited on that line. Rumor among the guys and girls was the cop was drunk, never shouted a warning because he had been feeling up his underage date who he got drunk. When I told my friends that my neighbor, Mrs. White, who lived under us, said the cops shouting woke her up, I was told to shut my mouth and warn her to shut hers. After the story died down, rumor had it that the cop was no longer right in his head for killing a kid. If you could get together 30 cents coffee, you'd go to Coney Island's Bay 22 and Ocean Tide on the boardwalk. We could jump in the pool at Ocean Tide or do battle with the waves on the beach. I loved the summers on the beach. We'd splash baby oil mixed with iodine on our alabaster bodies and eat heroes from Mary's sandwich shop. They were huge and we shared them. One day during the summer, Joe and I walked along 9th Avenue 
opposite Holy Name, where we both graduated, to go to Looney's for a Coke. We went there because it was by the totem poles at the entrance to Prospect Park, and lots of guys hung out by the totes, and more guys hung inside. We were wearing our new short shorts, made famous by the popular song. We always had to put up with Gus, a waiter there, and a dirty old man. He'd place the Cokes in front of us, make a psst sound, nod his head in the direction of a supply closet, and lewdly wiggle his tongue at us. We'd call him a filthy pervert or a son of a bitch and tell him to get away from us. The Sunday after we wore our shorts, Bishop Boardman made an announcement before his sermon at the 1215 Mass, the last Mass, the one that Joe and I always attended with everyone hung over from the night before. He said two shameless girls wearing very short shorts were walking in the street. He said we were godless, it was scandalous, and a disgrace to our family and the neighborhood. I shifted my eyes around the back of the church to see if anyone looked at Joe and me, but I didn't notice. When we left Mass and crossed over to the side of the avenue where the bishop had spotted us, Alice McLaughlin and her big mouth screamed from the doors of the church, hey, Carol, Joe, he was talking about you. The bishop was talking about you. I screamed back, yeah, so what? A photographer started showing up in the neighborhood. He usually walked down 17th Street, and if we girls were on the stoop, we always laughed at him. He acted like a tourist looking all around. He was interested in the boys who hung outside the candy store of Bobby the Pollock's mother. This is not the same Pollock who stomped the man to death and was doing 20 years in prison. Bruce Davidson was the name of the photographer taking pictures of the guys. He saw them as tough, reckless bad guys. We saw them as junky punks who'd never fight a fair one and who you wouldn't ever turn your back on. They'd jump you. Davidson made a story out of nothing, and his photos were published in Esquire magazine and then published in a book, Brooklyn Gang. Norman Mailer became interested in them. That was even a bigger joke to the neighborhood. Mailer wrote about the existentialist dilemma pushing the boundaries of their existence. In the 70s, my niece returned to 17th Street where she'd grown up, but left at seven with her parents to live in Queens. She said the neighborhood went down, had gotten bad. My grandmother still kept the building sparkling, but it wasn't as easy as it had been. She had different tenants. The people who had lived in the building over 40 years and raised their kids there moved to a safer area. My grandmother's new tenants were welfare and didn't care about the condition of the place. They dare mail their garbage and play music loud and curse my grandmother when she'd ask them to be mindful of their trash or their noise. The move to safer areas was called white flight. Now when I walked down my street to visit my grandmother, men would say things to me, making sucking noises with their mouths and grab their crotch. A different kind of music led from open windows where sheets were hung. My niece said when she visited my grandmother, there was an overturned car on the street and the new kids on the block were cannibalizing it, a sign of how bad things were. Back in the 50s, there was a car parked on the corner of 17th outside of Kerrigan's saloon. There were no parking restrictions at the time. We girls realized the car sat there over a month and no one came for it. We broke all the windows, ripped off the door to the trunk, tore up the leather seats, and slashed all the tires. The owner did return. He looked at his car and screamed curses at everyone. Looking at us especially, knowing we probably do it. 
We girls stood on the steps to Kerrigan's back room and laughed. Girls in my class in Holy Name School were not allowed to come to my street to play. I had to go to their block. My street had a bad reputation. Thank you very much, Carol. You're welcome. Do you have any questions? You know what Lucy is? I believe she was a cigarette. Yeah. I think they were like two for a penny. I don't know how much they were then, but when I was a teenager, they were two for three cents. And it was against the law to uh, to sell them. But of course... Was that one of those things that the police didn't really pay attention to or look the other way? Yeah, they knew what was going on. They knew everything was going on. Mm. Um, but you know, the thing about these uh, fist fights, street fights, the cops go to break it up, they get punched themselves, they get hurt themselves, they didn't want to get involved in those things, you know. Same as today. The domestics, they're told to run, ride around the block a few times for the domestic to uh, calm down. They usually get hurt.